Hey Benedict. Hey Daniel. So I've been wondering lately, I, I see the analytics, but I've been wondering if people actually listen to this. And every now and then I get a DM or an email from somebody who is a listener, but mostly we have no idea who listens. Do you? Fine by me. <laughs> Fine by me. <laughs> Jeez. So either way, I've just been meaning to for a few weeks just tell people, email us, or me at least, dz at arrows.to if you listen, and maybe what you've enjoyed recently so we know what to talk about more. Because somebody asked me recently what people generally liked about the podcast, and I was like, I have no idea. It's short? Yeah, they do like that. So short that they forget they listen. VAR talk? Yeah. We do know that some people like VAR talk. Popular <laughs> segment. We've got a little bit of VAR talk today. So related to VAR talk... Matt and Jose, our developers we talked about last week that joined one week ago, are doing great. Yeah, it's been awesome. Matt is already on vacation. <laughs> Second week at the job. Yeah, did so well. He was like, I'm out of here. Just kidding. He... Well, not kidding. He is on vacation. He is on vacation, but he also... That was yeah. something that we talked about a long time ago. Anyways, no, they're doing great. They shipped a new feature. You can now uh, change the logo on customers and organizations. And they also did a bunch of readme updates based on their onboarding. And they did some updates to the admin page. So now it's a lot easier for Kim and Sherelle to do stuff on the admin page and get a sense of where customers are and change things about organization accounts and... All of this stuff, so super exciting. Yeah, just great to have people that have a lot of energy and are really talented developers come in, get up to speed very quickly, make changes, and basically all of us that were here feel that momentum. It's been very nice. Yeah. Especially because this gets into the next topic. Basically, as a company, progress on the product and the product itself are probably our largest blocker or limiting factor right now. And some of that has been engineering resources. That's been a big part of it. But the other side of that has been, you know, shaping of feature, shaping of the product. It's a term we use, we borrowed from Basecamp's shape up style of doing product development. It's a common product development sort of term. I don't know if they originated it or if it was around before that, but instead of writing specs, we try to shape and nudge things and give it a much more of a, a term around, well, we're not just designing them. We actually have to think about what it should be and does it solve the problem for customers and there's you know with any individual thing we could build there's probably five or ten routes we could go but it's not clear that those are the routes that would actually solve the problem especially in the past where we were a really small team just you and me what we decide to build is the main lever that we have for moving at a decent tempo because how we decide to build something determines whether it's a one-day project or a two-week project and so that was the biggest thing that we could change about how we approach something to make it go faster and now that we have a slightly bigger team the importance remains but it's changed its flavor a little bit where now it's much more about getting people on the same page and giving people the resources that they need to do something on their own and so it's still a critical part of the process but now it's shifted and changed a little bit yeah last week it was we hit this point where it was like oh yeah we need to have a bunch of stuff that's shaped that matt and jose can dive into and now it's feeling much more like the bottleneck in the process yeah exactly and to be clear like I am that bottleneck, right? A lot of that shaping work is falling on my shoulders now because a lot of the what the product should be sort of thinking is mostly, you know, me. You have a lot of that too since we've been doing this together for so long. and But you're constrained very heavily on Salesforce implementation and getting the dev team up and running. Now that I've got Kim and Trell and the marketing sales side of the house up and running more, they're fairly self-sufficient. I'm able to ignore them and come back and spend a lot of time developing what we believe this product should be. So that way Matt and Jose can actually start helping us build it. And then Colin will be helping me a little bit with the shaping and design work, obviously all the design work, but helping them also get that stuff implemented and delivered. 
Yeah, and a big piece of what I've been working on and is the development flow side of things in terms of how do we work through stuff? How do we task things out? How do we flow them through a PR process? Not a PR like press release, like PR as in pull requests, like development. Pull requests, yeah. 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 Little VAR talk. And then the there's an analog to that on the product development side that ties into that process, which is something that we've also been thinking about and experimenting with. And I think we've landed on something decent on that side. Well, I think back to what you said before, like in the past four months ago, three months ago, and, and the whole year plus before that, when we had something in mind to build, you and I would talk about it every week or multiple times a week. And on Monday, we'd commit to what we're building that week and we'd go do it and we both loosely knew what was coming because we talk about it all the time. We knew what was in the pipeline. Now we have three people who are non-technical, who are also want to be aware around what's coming. And then we have the whole product development side of the house. Also, it's like, well, I know what I'm building right now over the next week or two, but what's coming after that? What's the state of it? How does what I'm building now affect what might be coming later? And we realized, though, our loose ad hoc form of doing product development, we knew it would happen, but... It just became very real that everybody had no visibility into what what the plan was with the product. And it became our biggest our biggest challenge was making sure people were on the same page and understood where we were going with the product. So we've built out, I think we've talked about it here on the podcast before, but Benedict put together a, we call it the vision document. It's sort of high level. Here's where Eros is going. Here's some features and things we've talked about, but they weren't really organized in that document. It's just, here's a lot of stuff we've talked about. In that document, there's also a lot of, let's say, values of how we like to build stuff and things we try to hold on to. And and that we've tried to make our like core, here's what we refer to at all times. Like this is the Eros document, let's say, and we want to keep developing that. Then what we started adding last week that, that really clicked for us was a another Notion document. This one is a Kanban board in Notion. And on a quarterly basis, we're getting into Q3, Q4 stuff now, but we're in, in the middle of Q3, we're now moving. What do we think we're gonna get done here now between the end of between now and the end of September? Let's move all those ideas into this Kanban board and say, this is what we're shipping between now and September. And the first column is ideas. The second column is stuff that's being shaped. The third column is stuff that's in a review approval phase. So that's when we pitch it to the team. And, and that's both the developers and Kim and Shrell on the non-technical side, making sure it actually solves problems for customers. And then if it's approved by everybody or we need to figure out who has the final say, it's probably you and me. Once we feel that it's at the right stage and it has considered everything, then we'll approve it and you'll run with the engineering team to get that put into linear as actual work task, development task. So we're now moving projects from our vision document, which are high level, multi-quarter, maybe year plus long. This is where Eros is going. Now that moves into the Kanban board, which is quarterly. Here's what's being shaped and what's coming soon. Here's what's in development. And then when things are actively in development, they move into linear and GitHub. And I think that staging of tools and where I go look to understand where something is gives you the right visibility at the right scope. So if I looked, if I had to look into linear to find out what was in development, it would be it'd be very challenging, I think, to have a grasp of like where we're going on a medium level. It'd be too much detail. And if we look at the vision doc, we don't really know what's in development right now. So I think we're feeling really good about that process so far. Yeah, it's just giving different levels of visibility for different contexts. The other struggle we always have is how much structure do we actually need as a team at this size and Hopefully, who knows, we'll use this system for a while and I'm sure that we will have things that we'll want to change about it and things that are too much structure and places where we need more structure, but I think we feel pretty good about this starting point. 
And it's nice because we can actually pull up the right fidelity in the right meeting in the right context. The all hands meeting on Monday, we can pull up the roadmap Kanban board in Notion and give everybody an update about where projects are. But the development team meeting, we can pull up linear and ask about specific things that are overdue, stuff like that. So this also gets into a topic I think that's interesting, just generally how we approach tooling at Arrows and what products we use. So we try to use Slack for any real-time chat conversations. We have channels for different teams or concerns. So like one around code, one around customers, one around product or sales. We have code alerts and other things in there. Then we also started using Slack's huddle feature for the quick audio. Let's not pull open Zoom, but I just have a couple questions for you for 10 minutes. We'll see if we stick with that. We've tried different tools for that. Who knows? Then we use Zoom for scheduled meetings, anything that we have on the calendar. We try to use a Zoom for that, especially for customers. That's how we run demos and every customer call and everything, but also our all hands or our Thursday show and tell. We started doing a show and tell every, you know, middle of the week so everybody can show off what they're working on and talk about that. Then the big thing that we started using is threads, threads threads.com. And I think this is one that when I talk about with other teams, they get really interested in. Instead of writing Notion documents or long Slack messages and then having things spiral out of control, we try to write threads for things that need a discussion or proposal. And we try to write them out in a format that Um, allows people to at least have visibility shared across things that are going on or things that people are thinking about while also having an ability to add input there. But I don't know if you have any, what's been interesting to you about threads? I think you've taken to it pretty well. I think that similar to how we're trying to approach the product development flow of having different levels of time, I think the tooling that we use around discussions hopefully or attempts to follow the similar logic where if it's two minutes or less, it's usually in Slack. If it's a multi-day conversation, then threads is where it happens. And if it's something that we're storing for weeks, then it's something that goes in Notion. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, each of these tools sort of finds a level of granularity that feels natural for what the tool does and how it enables communication. And so I think that's how I think about it in the idealized version. Yeah, I think related to that, I think what we're starting to do is use Notion at times for collaboration. So there might be a doc that you're collaborating on or generating saying, this is what we're going to do, or this is a content we're creating. If it's on the marketing side, or here's the feature we're going to build. But when it's time for a discussion or feedback on it, we post that into threads. And the thread is where people are able to say, yes, this is now at the moment where I'm out here collecting your your attention and your thoughts on this and post them below. But it shouldn't necessarily be in, in Slack because that's just too hard to organize and respond to. Yeah, so I've liked that. that. I think we're still working, getting a sense of what should be in there and what should be in Notion, what should be in Slack. But mostly that seems to be the direction we've been going. Yeah, I think the most challenging one so far is when you do a call versus when you post a thread. But I don't know that we necessarily have a ton to dig into there. It's just been the thing that I've noticed as the big question point for me in the in the flow. The one thing I do think we've tried to do, which we don't always do, but we try to do is when somebody makes a decision, though, or if there is a discussion about something, we do nudge people or we try to encourage posting a thread so that information can be spread to everybody. I think we've dropped that a little bit recently. It's just difficult to make threads, but I think that's the way we scale up, giving people visibility into what's going on or what's being considered. Yeah. The other side of all this, though, is we're now starting to get a little bit more, what's the word, a little bit more professional, maybe, about how we're thinking about marketing and sales. So (laughs) something 
our investors said to us last week is everything's a funnel. We just keep laughing about that, but it's true. So our product development process is a funnel, but now we're starting to be more sophisticated about our marketing funnel and our sales funnel. So we have a sales funnel. We moved over to HubSpot about a month ago out of streak. Now we're probably going to move off of ConvertKit into HubSpot. So we have everything, our whole marketing automation platform all in one tool with our CRM. And we're starting to develop some drip campaigns and get more proactive with how we send newsletters. We sent a newsletter last week for the first time in maybe two or three months. We were doing it pretty evenly for a while, pretty regularly, but now we're back in that mode and we want the one tool that helps us keep track of all that stuff and actually funnel people into the pipeline, the sales pipeline when they're ready. So now we're starting to move all of our stuff over into HubSpot, which just really feels like the right move overall. It's just really expensive, possibly. Yeah, you got nothing to say on that, I guess. You're like, yeah, it's good. I laughed, but Crisp cut it out. (laughs) Yeah, probably. That's the sad thing about Crisp is it can't hear me chuckling. That's funny. I guess we never thought about that. No wonder our laughs always sound weird on here. Yeah, they always get garbled because Crisp is like, this is not pertinent data. We need to give Chris some feedback that their machine learning algorithm. are good. Yeah. Laughs get cut out. We're not robots laughing. But no, I think it's I think it's great and I think it's exciting and I think that starting to figure that stuff out, it feels like there's a potential there where HubSpot could really drive that process of just that pipeline and that funnel and having email be something that is driving the sales process and people are really subscribing to the newsletter and that's exciting and it feels like we're getting so much great content and mm-hmm. Kim and Sherelle are coming up with stuff that we can post that's really useful and it feels like something's starting to coalesce around a general idea of generosity with ideas and thoughts and I think that there's a path there to yeah just share information and have that be our pipeline in a way that feels very in line with what we're trying to do with the company and Arrows as a brand. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, you hit on something interesting there. Instead of getting people in from the outer top of funnel, people who aren't aware of us, we're doing that okay, and we keep doing that a little bit better. So now we're starting to do more to make sure people, as they come in, we can nurture them over time. So that way, by the time they book a demo or they talk to us, they're more primed and ready to buy. And they're not like getting to know us or getting to think about onboarding for the first time. So that's really the big focus is how do we just keep nurturing people and giving them stuff and being generous with them. So that way that we're not spending so much effort with people. Right now, it's taking us a little bit longer to close customers than we suspected. And, And part of that is the product not being mature enough. And part of that is... We just haven't done enough to nurture them or educate them before they came and talked to us. So that's the focus ongoing from here regarding our marketing uh, efforts, really. Will we be able to do it? Tune in next time. We won't keep going. Except for we won't know that quickly. (laughs) Except maybe one day. (laughs) Except for it might be a year or something. We'll see. Except for keep listening (laughs) and tell us why you do that. All right. Let's get out of here. (laughs) Bye. Bye.